Good morning, Springwell. How's everybody doing? All right. Well, come on and stand up with us. And let's worship this morning. Sometimes I just need to be reminded when you're walking through the desert that He is there with you and for you and that He'll see you through that desert time. So just sing this one.
without you You're the light of all in all that we need, Lord We won't move without you We won't move without you You're the light of all in all that we need We won't move without you We won't move without you
let's celebrate. What a powerful name it is. He has no rival. He has no equal. Nothing can take him off of his throne. No matter what you brought in here, he is on top of. That never changes. It's the name of Jesus. The Bible gives us this beautiful picture. At the end, when it's all said and done, every knee bows, every tongue confesses that Jesus all along was exactly who he said he was. That's the Jesus we worship this morning. And so we don't, we don't just go through the motions of worship, but, but we thank him because we know that what we brought in here is not as powerful as what he does with us and in it and through it. The one that is in you is greater than the one that's in the world. The Bible says we have the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, that defeated death, lives inside of us as believers. So that's what we celebrate this morning. You can go ahead and have a seat. I was fired up, and so I almost forgot to tell you that. Um, if you're in here this morning and you're not a believer, that's why, um, that's why we've gathered, and we hope that through our worship of him that you'll begin to sense the realness of him. And uh, as we celebrate together, that something happens with you through what happens with us. Um, how many of you have ever built a house? I don't mean like you build it, but like you were involved in the building of the house. Anybody? Okay. Um, well, I'm not, I, I don't claim to, to be an expert house builder guy, um, as is evidenced by that sentence. Um, but I do, know, I, I do know a little bit, and I know that most of the time a house isn't built by just one person, is it? Like, most of the time you have different people doing different things, and so someone will come in and they'll grade the land, they'll, they'll prep the site, and then someone will come in and I assume they pour a foundation for a house. They gotta do that, right, at some point. And, uh, and then the electrician comes in and he does the electrical, the plumber, and, and so on. And the reason, the reason I'm even talking about that is because I, as, as we take up our offering this morning, 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11 says, serve each other according to the gift each person has received as good managers of God's diverse gifts. Whoever speaks should do so as those who speak God's word. Whoever serves should do so from the strength that God furnishes. And so what it's saying is it's saying that each of us have gifts. We have abilities. We have finances and the important thing is not which part of that and what, how much of that you give, it's that you give your part. And so this morning we come in with different incomes, different life situations, but we come and we give to worship God, to say, God, I trust you with the thing that is hardest for me sometimes to trust you with, but we also give to build the house. Um, and it's important that as we come in here that we do our part because our part combined with all the other parts does something that our part can never do. And so that's why we give. That's this giving thing that God has set up is that we could all build the house together. Um, if you are a guest with us this morning, this part of the service is not for you. Don't feel obligated to give at all. That's not why someone brought you. That's not why we did this. Um, if you're a regular, you know there's different ways you can give. We say this every week because we don't want you to miss it. Um, there's a kiosk out in the lobby. Um, you can give there. Um, you can text the number that's about to be on the screen. You can text any amount in that number, and it'll um, do its thing. And then you can uh, you can give online at springwood.org. Or, as I said the first service, if you're really self-conscious about the bucket passing you by each week and not putting anything in it, you can do it the old-fashioned way. Uh, let me pray, and then we'll, uh, we'll pass the bucket. God, thank you that, Lord, even though we all come in with different burdens, different things, different problems, different celebrations, different things we're celebrating, God, thank you that we can confidently say, those of us that have been through some stuff, we can confidently say that you really do have no rival. You have no equal. And while you don't always stop the storm, God, you stay with us through it. And you do something better in us than we could have ever imagined without it. So God, this morning we come here um, celebrating who you are, some of us. Some of us come here even doubting who you are. God, I pray that you would eat, meet each of us in our individual need. 
God, thank you for what you've given to us. Thank you that it all does come from you, that you're the owner of it all. And we're just returning part of it right now. God, thank you that week after week, we get to see what our part, giving our part does, not just in our church, but in our community and in our world. Thank you that we get to play a part in what you do in the world. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're on the left side of the row, there's a bucket. You can pass that thing to the right and someone will get it on the other end. Good morning. Did y'all enjoy losing an hour of sleep? <laughs> that was a dumb question, wasn't it? Is everybody doing good? You excited? You're not sure. It's okay. So uh, I, I'm tied down this week. Uh, I, and I tell you that because some of you... <laughs> Some of you have worried about me, and, and I appreciate that. And you know, I've, I've gotten uh, texts and emails. You can't hurt yourself. And I, I'm, I'm good. I really, I'm good. I'm tied down. As long as I keep my elbow, my elbow right by my side, they, they tell me I'm good. Y'all don't care. Let's just be honest. You don't care. You're making fun of me. And I've sort of, some of you said, mm, mm. <laughs> Yeah, that ain't right. I'm just saying. That's all right. I laugh at myself, so that's okay. So uh, if you're here for the very first time, we're a weird church. You've already guessed that right. Yeah, we're kind of strange. We're in a series called uh, The Unexpected, and we're talking about those unexpected events, those unexpected tragedies uh, that can stop you dead in your tracks. And I would certainly say that uh, that, that death, that loss, is, is maybe one of the greatest of those unexpected tragedies that can, that can happen in your life. And if I've learned anything about, about grief, let me tell you what I've learned. I've learned that it's hard work. Grief is hard work, and, and we'll talk about this as we go through the message today. And not only is it hard work, it's complicated. Grief is, grief is complicated. Don't let anybody fool you. And I would say that most of us, just about everybody in here this morning, has experienced grief to some degree. A grandparent, you know, a neighbor, somebody you work with, uh, somebody in your life, you've, you've, you've experienced loss at some level. And I'll tell you what else you've experienced is, is that this thing called grief can come in these unexpected waves, right? I mean, you think you're doing good, you know, I'm over this, I'm finally getting past some of the hurt and some of the pain. And then, you know, like six months later, you just wake up one morning. And it wasn't a dream that you had. It wasn't a movie that you saw. It wasn't a picture that you looked at. It's just suddenly you wake up one morning, and out of nowhere, it's like you just go right back to that pivotal point of loss. And it hurts. I think that we often think of healing as an instantaneous event. But more times than not, at least in my life, and, and really this whole series, is I'm, I don't have a book. A lot of stuff I'm sharing with you, I didn't read in a book. I didn't find in a book. These are just the things that I've experienced in, in my life. And, and what I've experienced in my life is that uh, healing, healing comes slowly over a long period of time. Change. Change comes slowly over long periods of time. And I'll tell you what else I've learned. That healing and change, there's always pain. 
And I thought about that. I've had weeks to really kind of contemplate this and think about that. And I wrote it, and I thought, why? Did I, always? And, and I would literally look at you and say, yes. I mean, real change has been brought about in my life. Real healing that's been brought about in my life has only come through pain. And I don't like pain. I'm allergic to pain. Anybody else? Like, I break out in hives or something. I don't, I don't like pain. I'll opt for pain-free every single time, but healing and change has mostly meant pain over long periods of time. And the thing of it is, here's what I've also learned. I've learned that it's easy to settle. I've learned that especially in those long periods of time, it's just easy to become comfortable with the way things are. I've learned that you can pray and pray and pray during that season of pain and during that season of of hurt during that season of loss and you pray and you pray and you pray and it doesn't come instantaneously. It's not, a, it's not an immediate kind of healing and as the time goes on, I've just learned that you can get stuck in the pain. So this morning I want us to look at a passage that I really think, it's, it, it may seem like a strange passage but there's power in this passage. I'm not kidding you. And, and we've used this text before, but I've seen some brand new things that I'd never seen before. And to be quite honest with you, it made me feel a little stupid that I hadn't seen it before. Now, this whole idea of change and the process of healing, it's right here in John 5. Here's what it says. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of those Jewish festivals. Now, there is in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, which is surrounded by five colored colonnades. Here are a great number of disabled people, all kinds of disabled people. They're blind people. They're lame people. They're people that are paralyzed. And so here's what you need to know. There was this pool, and the tradition of this pool was that there would be an angel that at some time, you didn't know when, but there would be an angel that would stir up the water in this pool. And so there would be all of these people, as indicated in this passage of Scripture, that would be all around this pool. And as soon as the water started to bubble, then the first one in got healed. And so you can imagine, I mean, sometimes they would wait for days. Sometimes I read that it would be weeks. Sometimes I read that literally people would wait for months. And so when the water started to bubble, it would be a free-for-all that who could get in the water first. It's crazy. Let's read on. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. Let me read that one more time. One who had been there had been an invalid. He had been an invalid for 38 years. You know what I found myself, as I read this passage, I thought, you know what? I I thought like somehow, I don't know why, maybe because of John chapter 9, there was a blind man that had been healed and he had been been blind since birth. And I think maybe I just thought that this guy had been crippled since birth, but he hadn't. So there was obviously some kind of unexpected event, an accident that maybe caused his injury. And that's big. Because for 38 years, for 38 years, we've got a crippled man who's been grieving the loss of his health. For 38 years, he's been praying. And maybe he prayed really, really strong during those first few weeks. Maybe, maybe he was a super saint for God. And so maybe, maybe that stretched into weeks. Maybe it stretched into months. Maybe it stretched into years. Could you imagine praying maybe for 10 years that God would heal you, that you'd been in this tragic accident, and you'd just been praying, 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 believing that God would heal you, and for 10 years you didn't get a healing? What about 20 years you didn't get your healing? What about 30 years? 38 years this man has been praying, has been going to the place thinking to himself, if I can just get in that pool of water, then I'll be healed. Then it says, when Jesus saw him lying there, he learned that he had been in this condition for a long time. And so he asked him, do you want to get well? I know you're the high noon hour people on Sunday, but that's an unexpected question. That's what that is. And, and I know you don't want to say this because we're in church, right? You're afraid that God would strike you. But some of you are thinking it. That's a really stupid question. 
I mean, that was Jesus. <laughs> I got to be careful because it's Jesus asking the question. But you got to admit, you want to think, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. That would be like looking at a broke man saying, you want 100 bucks? And him saying, nah, I enjoy being broke. That would be like asking a, hundred, uh, a hungry man, hey, you want me to take you to, you know, like a pizza in buffet? Nah, I love being hungry. You know, here's your sign. Probably shouldn't have said that, but anyway. So what's the point of the question? And I wonder if the lame man, I wondered if he wanted to say, nah, just sitting here enjoying the scenery. Don't want to be healed. I'm good. So why would Jesus ask such a silly question? Maybe it's because Jesus knew that you can't help somebody just because you know they need help. You can only help somebody that knows they need help. You, you, you can only speak into somebody's life. You can only walk along somebody who, who recognizes that they need help. Sometimes people ask, well, what's the greatest hindrance to faith, right? You got to have faith. In order to be healed, that's what all the faith healer dudes say, right? And so like if you go and they hit you on the head or zap you or something, and like if you're not healed, it's your fault. You just don't have enough faith, right? And so, you know, like maybe the biggest hindrance to your healing is that you don't have enough faith, but what's the biggest hindrance to your faith? You don't have to answer out loud, but you know what? I guess most people would probably say, I got this one. It would be like doubt, worry, not believing in. After studying this passage of Scripture, I would argue that maybe one of the greatest hindrances to faith is the familiar. I wonder if this guy said, man, I've been praying for 38 years. I've been coming to the pool for 38 years. Don't, don't listen, don't ask me a question like that. And I had faith in the beginning. Don't you come at me, preacher man, talking about faith and you don't have enough faith? I had faith. I had faith the first few weeks. I had faith... The first few months. I even had faith the first three, first you know, few years, but I mean, 38 years, and, and so what I've learned to do is kind of work around it. I've learned how to work around it with my arm. I mean, I'm right-handed. Y'all can tell I struggle every Sunday, right? I talk with my hands, and so I end up doing that. It's kind of weird, and I know you smile. It's okay. God will get you. I'm just saying. But you learn to work around it. You learn to work around a disability. You become familiar with it. So you just settle. Here's the bottom line. So your desire for change becomes bigger than your disability. Until your desire for change becomes greater than your pain, you'll never change. Change will never come. So how did this guy answer? I mean, like you want to know, right? Here's your sign. How, so how did he, what did he say? Well, he said, I have no one to help me get in the pool when the water's stirred. Well, I'm trying to get in. Some knucklehead, some idiot that just got here like, you know, two hours ago. He jumped in first. Or the guy, I mean, I've been here for hours and he like walked up. And you know what? I read this passage. You know what I think? And my first thought, because I, I am a very independent kind of person. I don't want anybody doing anything for me. I'm going to do it for myself. And our staff can tell you that. They say, can I help you? No. Get away from me. You know, I can do this myself. And so I've been trying to do all this stuff myself because I'm so independent. And I look at this and I think, you know what? That's not an answer. That is an excuse. I think it can be real, be easy to be real critical of people when you don't know their story. He's been crippled for 38 years. And I've learned that the longer that a problem persists, the more discouraged that you become.
And the easier it is is just, just to make excuses. It's somebody else's fault. I'm crippled. How do I get in the water? Nobody's here to help me. All my friends left me. You know, maybe they, were, they, they stayed with me, but they had to go back to work. I mean, it, and so you just start to make excuses. It's easy to become comfortable with the familiar. I prayed. I've come to the pool. I've done everything I know to do. And so, you know what? I'm just, just going to have to settle for. It's easy to become comfortable with the familiar. The same principle can apply to grief. And you might be thinking, what? There's, grief's not mentioned in this verse. You don't think he grieved the loss of his health? You don't think he grieved the, the loss of being able to move his legs? But we're talking about unexpected events that can have long-term effects. And I think that the same question applies. Do you want to get well? Do you want to move past your grief? And again, I think that somebody would say, that's a stupid question. How insensitive could you possibly be? Of course I want to get better. I, I, I don't want to wake up like this every day in pain. I, I, I don't want to experience the hurt. And I don't, look what it's doing to me. I can't function. I don't sleep at night. I, I'm up all night long with these thoughts and these dreams. And I wake up in the morning and I'm tired. And, and then I, I think about it all day long. And then everywhere I turn is a, is a memory. And I want to get past it. Don't you? Of course I want to get better. You don't think I can see what it's doing to the people that I love? We focus, I focus all my time, all my attention, all my energy on the person that's dead, not the people that are around me that are, that are alive. I'm completely ignoring them. Of course I want to be better. I wish it were that simple. I've lost, uh, I lost my dad when I was 10, as many of you already know. I lost my mom. 2005, I've lost all my uncles, all my aunts, all my grandparents are dead. Most of my cousins. I buried a niece, two nephews, and a cousin, and a best friend, who all died unexpectedly, and that's just scratching the surface. I've learned that even with grief, it's easy to get stuck. It's easy to become too accustomed to the familiar. You know what got me about this passage? I told you in the beginning I've been reading this for years, and, and I, I never noticed that, like, you know, he wasn't born that way, but there was some kind of unexpected event, some kind of accident. You know what else I, I didn't notice until I started reading it over the last, I don't know, couple, three months, was I noticed that his name's not mentioned. And that struck me, because here's, here's what I know a little bit about the Bible, and as you study the Bible over a period of time, you'll understand that one of the marks of a parable is that names aren't mentioned. That's a mark of a parable. You know, for example, the story of the prodigal son, and a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, and then later in that very same chapter, it says the, the older son was out in the field. There are no names that are mentioned. But the thing of it is, is that I noticed, is that, wait a minute, hold on. Listen, this is not a parable. This is a real-life story. And then what I, what I realized was this, it was that maybe his identity was wrapped up in his disability. In fact, you know what? I wonder how many people, when they would refer to him, always referred to the lame man. Well, you know the lame man. You know the, the lame guy. He comes by here every day. He's got some friends that help him. He's going to the sheep gate. You know, he's going to get by the, the pool of Bethesda. Uh, you know, the lame man. Nobody actually knew the man's name because his identity was wrapped up in his disability. That was who he was. Sad, isn't it? Uh, I met a lady a few years ago, and uh, she started coming to me uh, for some counseling. And uh, she had been coming, I, don't, I don't really don't know how long. But then I found, I remember finding out one day that she had seen three other professional counselors. All that had the shingles, you know what I'm saying? The PhD people. And I said, three? 
she said, yeah. I said, Lord, mercy, what are you doing seeing here, you know, coming to see me? What do you think I can possibly bring to the table? And, and after a period of time, I'll never forget this. I looked at her one day very cautiously and as compassionately as I knew how. I said, do you really want to get well? And you can imagine she was a little offended. I said, I asked the question because here's the thing. Here, I don't know if you know this or not. But literally, every person that you meet, it's, it's like you say, hey, my name is Lisa. Oh, yeah, by the way, I'm a victim. And listen, she had a horrendous story. She had uh, suffered more abuse than maybe anybody I had ever met. Tragic uh, abuse one man after the other after the other. Some of those were people in church. They were church leaders that she had suffered this abuse under. I completely understood her story. But suddenly her pain, her abuse had become her identity. I told her, I said, would you even know how to function if God literally healed you in an instant? Who would you be? And she said, I don't know. Here's what I've learned about grieving people you love. To be happy can be disrespectful to the ones that you've lost. I didn't get this in a book. This is, this is years of experience. I've literally known people who've, who've looked at me and said, how can I ever laugh again? How can I ever enjoy life again? It would be like their lives didn't matter. People, I'm afraid people would think I didn't really love my husband. I didn't really love my wife. I didn't really love my child. I mean, you can't, you can't just move on. I mean, what if somebody sees me out, you know? Like, what if they see me at Walmart, and I'm at Walmart, and, and I'm laughing, and people will look at me, and they'll say, well, you didn't really love him. How could you possibly just move on with your life? You should be stuck in grief. It's disrespectful to the person that you lost. Grief's complicated. I've known people who said, I can't, I can't, I can't get past it. I'm, I'm afraid that, I'm afraid that if it appears as though I've moved on, people will forget. They'll, they'll forget my mama. They'll forget my daddy. They'll forget my husband, my wife, my son, my daughter. I'm afraid they'll forget. And so I feel like I have a responsibility to the person that's died. I have to grieve so that people won't forget. And grief's complicated. It's hard work. And that's not even to mention the anger at God that can come from somebody that you've lost when you've prayed and prayed and prayed and begged and pleaded, right? And then God didn't show up and he didn't do that miraculous thing. And you've known other people were like, God performed miracles, but he didn't perform that miracle for you. Or even the anger that you can, you know, experience with a person that's died. And they died maybe due to suicide or maybe they died to an addiction. And now you're angry, but there's nothing, you don't know what to do with the anger. And you're stuck. And you're grieving, but you're angry and grieving. I'm telling you, grief work can be complicated. It, it can be really, really hard to change your focus and to move past your grief. It's easy to get stuck. So Jesus asked the question. Do you want to be healed? He was digging deeper. This, this was more than a physical healing. He was saying, do you, do you really want things to change? Are you ready to change your focus? Are you ready to accept the responsibilities that will come with healing? You know, life's going to change. You're going to be healed. You'll be able to walk. You'll be able to do things you've never been, you haven't been able to do in 38 years. Are you ready to, to take and to accept the responsibility that will come with your healing? Jesus wasn't just asking the man if he wanted to be healed physically. He he was asking if he wanted to be healed completely. He wasn't asking a one-time question, but he was offering ah, a lifelong change. Jesus knows how easy it is for us to grow accustomed to our limitations. 
to be defined by them. To make allowances for them. And to not really want to pay the price for a change of focus. He knows how easy it is for us to settle for where we are and to live a smaller life than he's called us to. So Jesus said to the man, I love this, this is awesome. He said, get up. I wonder how he said that, don't you? I mean, like, I just, I, I picture Jesus. And I think Jesus, you know, I know, I know everybody thinks he was like a 130-pound little weakling. I don't see Jesus like that at all. He was a carpenter. I say Jesus was a man's man, had 18-inch biceps. He was bad, you know? So I wonder if he said, get up, boy. I mean, I wonder. I just wonder how he said it. Pick up your mat and walk. So it occurred to me, hmm, Jesus was saying, I'm going to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. I'm going to bring healing. I'm going to bring healing to your life. I'm going to offer you what you cannot do for yourself. But then I want you to do what only you can do. I want you to take responsibility for the healing. I want you to learn to walk in your healing. I want you to walk in the work that I've already done. Come on, that'll preach right there. And that's exactly what some of us need to hear. There are some folks here this morning and you need to take a step toward change, a step toward healing. You need to change your focus from death to life. You've been stuck with death for a very long time. You need to check yourself into a rehab or you need to call a counselor. You need to take a step. You need to show up on Thursday night and become one of us. You need to take a significant step of faith. God's going to touch you. God's going to touch some people this morning because God's God. He's awesome. And you're going to have to take a step for faith. And for some of you, the healing's going to happen instantaneous. This is the weirdest church you've ever seen in your life. I mean, we're as Baptist as Baptists can get. I know you didn't even know we were Baptists, right? So I've been going here for years. I didn't know we were Baptists. We actually are. Here's what we believe, though. We actually believe the Word. And so we believe the Word says that God has the power to heal that He can. Well, we've experienced in this, these services, I'm not kidding you, and I, I didn't walk out and blow on somebody or hit them upside the head. I didn't do that at all. In fact, i got to be honest, I didn't even know the healing took place until after the service. But just, just during the worship hour, people were on their, you know, it was a cool worship hour. Some people were just down praying. And, and then God, right back over there, in fact, I think we're, like, those seats right over there, they're really expensive seats. I don't know if y'all know that or not. Anyway, I mean, so God healed right over there. And so this woman, I mean, she was, wow, God healed me. For some of you, it's going to be instantaneous. For others of you, it's going, to be, it's going to be the beginning. Today's going to be the beginning of a journey toward your healing. And it may come. It may come through some counseling. It may come through a 12-step study. Healing's going to come as you take a step of faith in the right direction. We've been doing Teresa Childs. We've been doing her story for the last two weeks. Going to finish up today on July the 19th for those of you that are brand new. July the 19th, 2003, Teresa experienced one of the most unexpected tragedies that a mama could possibly experience. Her 22 year old son, Justin, died. Teresa learned to take a step and walk in faith and move past her past and trust God. Her healing. Let's finish up her story today. Watch this. I'm not meant to know why this side of heaven. And when I'm in my father's presence, it won't matter anymore. Danny Goki is one of my favorite artists. His wife died, and I know he sings from a broken heart. 
His song, Tell Your Heart to Beat Again, is one of my favorites. God showed me then that my heart could beat again. He also has a song that says, I haven't seen it yet. If you're praying for something and you haven't seen it yet, just hold on. He gave me peace without understanding. He gave me hope in what I cannot see. He gave me faith in my future. That is not to say I don't still have bad days, but those days are not as often anymore. I try now to show other moms who are grieving that you don't have to walk alone. I have been where you are. I want them to know that it's not always going to be this way. I make calls, I send cards. I try to use what God has given me to help someone else. I try to serve wherever I can because God has called me to love people. On that day when my world fell apart and I suffered the greatest loss, I never thought I would survive, but God did. He knew. He knew I would find joy again amongst the grief. He knew that joy and grief can exist together. My heart is still broken, but my soul is healed. He has given me a beautiful life, a beautiful broken life. Three things foretold to me back then. Jeremy said, Mama, he's not breathing. Mike said, he's gone. But God said, he's with me.
from the broken bone Leave with promises I'll just up ahead Maybe you just haven't seen it You just haven't seen it yet tragedy or, or event has been um, maybe it's loss maybe you've been stuck in grief grief's hard work Man, it's hard work it, it's complicated it's, it's not that easy and, and maybe you have prayed and you've prayed and you've begged and you've pleaded and you just haven't seen it yet you just, God hasn't come through I'm telling you that he will So do you want to be healed? Do you want to overcome the addiction that's held you hostage? Do you want to be free of worry and anxiety and the fear that keeps you up at night? Do you want to be free, finally free from this angry spirit that just hurts every relationship that you're in? Do you want to overcome the inability to trust people? hurt does that you lack intimacy because you just can't trust and you've prayed and you've longed to get past but you just haven't you find yourself stuck so do you believe that God is able to do anything do you really believe that he's able to heal any kind of physical sickness or emotional hurt do you want to be made well because the thing of it is, is that God isn't just going to help someone who needs help. He's looking for those that are willing to acknowledge that they need help. And are willing to just say, God, I don't know what else to do. I've gone to the pool every day. For years, I've prayed and trusted. So if that's you, and you want to get well, you find yourself stuck, that's you. Would you just slip up your hand and say, Scott, will you just pray for me? I, I want to get past it. I love this church. I say that a lot, don't I? I love it because you know what? And, and, and we're family, you know? And so we can come together on a Sunday morning like this, and, and rather than like maybe being that place that you'd be scared to death to raise your hand because you think people are judging you, you know? Like you raised your hand and somebody behind you said, I'll tell you what, it's about time. Dang old Huss, I've been praying for her for years. It's finally, she finally, you know, said, we're not that church. We're not that church because we realize that we're all broken. We've all had unexpected tragedies and unexpected events and, and that we can be honest and say, I'm stuck. I just, I just, I don't know what to do. I've lost hope. some of us as brothers and sisters we can just rally around you and love you some of you maybe you didn't raise your hand but you needed to you wanted to some of you would say man I, I, 
I just went through that, you know, and I finally, I finally made it on the other side. You're probably just itching to walk over, maybe put your arm around somebody and say, it's going to be okay. God loves you. He's crazy about you. He's at work. I promise he's at work. Even when you haven't seen it, he's at work. For those of you that experienced that sweet healing and you're on the other side, then maybe you can just help me right now because I just want to pray for these folks that have slipped up their hand just being gut level honest and saying, man, I need prayer. So let's pray for them, okay? Lord, uh, you've seen those hands that were raised, those people that were willing to be honest and to acknowledge that there's brokenness, there's hurt, there's things they're trying to get over, there's things they're trying to get past. They would answer you, yes, I, I want to be healed. And Lord, I believe right now that you're bringing an instantaneous healing to somebody. You're awesome. It's not about me as a preacher. It's about a father's love for his child. Lord, for others, it's going to be learning, like Teresa, how to take one step at a time. Learning how to walk in the work that God's already done to find that healing over a period of time. So, Father, I pray that you'll whisper into their ears and tell them that you love them and encourage them. That they're your kids. That you got them. The reality is, is that uh, all of us without Jesus have a sin sickness. Our sin keeps us from God. And in a moment of of just real transparency and honesty, a lot of you are going to recognize, you know what? Man, I've done some things I am so ashamed of. And the weight of that sin is just really pressing down on you. And and maybe you've wondered, could I ever, could, could somebody like me ever be made right with God? And the answer is absolutely. You know why? It's because Jesus is crazy about you. He's crazy about you. Do you realize that there's there's nothing that you can do to make Him love you more? Nothing. And there's nothing that you can do to make Him love you less? Nothing. That's the point of the cross. That's the beauty of the cross is that He paid for all sin for all time. And in that love, He did something us that we could never earn or deserve. Jesus displayed that love by giving his life on the cross. And God displayed his power by raising him from the dead. So I would ask you, I'm not a follower of Jesus, I'm just asking you the simple question. Do you want his forgiveness? Do you want his grace? Do you want to be spiritually well? Do you want to belong to him? Do you want to call him daddy? And him refer to you as his child? If that's you, you're ready? Then right there in your seat, just pray a prayer or something like this. You can pray it silently. Or you can pray it out loud because you're in a safe place. But in this prayer, you'd say something like this. Yeah, God, I, I want to be well. I've tried to be better, do better, bring healing to myself. It's not enough. I need your grace. I need your mercy. So I surrender my life completely to you. I want you to be my Savior. I want you to be my Master. So I give you my life. Fill me with your spirit, Lord, so I can walk in the work that's already been done for me in your power. Father, um, I don't even really know what to say, God. You're so amazing to me. 
my relationship with you is so amazing. It gets sweeter every day, Lord. I look back over my life. You know, Lord, I don't really think now. I don't, I don't focus on so many of those unexpected tragedies, Lord. I look in the mirror and think I'm the most blessed person I know. Thank you, Father, for healing power. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy. I know it sounds like a pastor's prayer. <laughs> sounds cliche, but it ain't. I love you. And I thank you for loving me. And it's in your sweet name that we pray. Amen.